Greetings, Rink Rats, and welcome to this holiday edition of the Blackhawk Rinkcast. I am your host, John Jekyll. Um, with me tonight are uh, a stellar crew of uh, Rink uh, staff members, um, starting with uh, the author of our most recent uh, article, a really uh, nice piece on all the stuff that we're going to, really all the stuff we're going to talk about tonight, Andy Campbell, our man in Rockford, um, and other places, uh, parts unknown. Uh, next to him is the writer to be named later, Sean Goldstein Fitzgerald, attorney sporting, sporting the new uh, Seattle Kraken hat that he got from uh, Santa Claus. Um, it's got both logos on it, actually, the primary and secondary. Ooh, pretty cool. And <coughs> excuse me, last but not least <laughs> is uh, Ray Nepientek um, in his first public appearance as president of the Carl Soderberg fan club. Absolutely. And uh, he'll be explaining all the uh, all the whys and wherefores of that um, to us tonight as we uh, discuss that, among other things. Um, we uh, we're glad you could join us tonight. Um, we uh, uh, nestled snugly in your beds with dreams of rink signature apparel dancing in your heads. No doubt you can get that at uh, our official sponsor's website, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. That's puckhockey.com. Um, you can get rink gear there. You can get uh, lots of other signature hockey apparel, player lines, uh, metal band lines, all that stuff that gets Gate really excited. Um, they're great people. And if you use the T-H-E-R-I-N-K discount code, the rink, you get 10% off anything. Uh, so go check them out. Um, they probably have some post-Christmas uh, deals as well. So anyway, uh, we've got lots to talk about tonight, guys. Um, first of all, probably uh, the biggest news, um, not aside from Carl Soderberg, we'll get to that in a minute, Ray, um, is the injury to Corey, uh, to Corey, to, um, I'm having a brain. Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc, thank you. Um, Kirby Doc at the uh, World Juniors, uh, where he was uh, making a lot of news leading up to uh, in the, the preseason games or the exhibition games. Uh, really looked like he was going to have a great tournament, was uh, validating all of the Hawks, um, you know, optimism and sending them there to the tournament. And then, uh, as so often happens for the Hawks these days, <laughs> uh, he had a arguably possibly a season-ending injury. Maybe not. Maybe he'll get some action in toward the end of the season. But uh, – all right, I want to know what you guys think, starting with Andy Campbell. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, happy holidays, everybody, and appreciate it, JJ. Um, yeah, I've kind of I, – I, I was obviously – I was fuming when it happened and why did they let him play and, you know, how could you do that and, oh, that was a poor business decision. You know, I've, I've taken a step back since then. I mean, that was my initial reaction, and, you know, you got to check yourself and say, you know, I could – when he did decide to go and, and play for team Canada, I had no issues with it. So I guess I can't get that mad if he gets hurt, but you know, I, I don't, you can't ignore that part of it either. You know, I think that there, you know, you, you see some people tweeting or writing, well, if you say, Oh, well, he got hurt, they shouldn't let him play. Well, that's short-sighted. Well, actually it's the opposite. If you argue the business side of things saying, well, they just, you know, there's not a whole lot of NHL teams that do let, their number two center entering a season uh, go off and play, um, you know, in a, in a world junior tournament. And I, I certainly understand playing for Canada. I understand the, you know, the playing at an international level. I certainly think that the intentions were 
were good ones. Um, but in a results oriented business, you know, intentions don't really hold up too much. Uh, and you see New York and a guy like Lafreniere who wasn't playing. Um, and I'm sure New York is, you know, wiping the sweat off their brow going, Oh goodness. You know, glad that, glad that he didn't do that. Or, you know, we did not, you know, say that was okay. All that said, it's a shame. It really is. It's a drag, but you know, at the same time, he's the man. I mean, he is going to be the man in Chicago for a while. I mean, the, the talent is there. Um, and truthfully, I, it's too bad that, that he, uh, you know, it seems like that Carl Soderberg signing should not have been a reactionary signing to Kirby Doc getting injured. It should have been a signing regardless when you think about it. I mean, if you went into the season and your, your top three centers were Taves, Doc, and Carl Soderberg, and you can forget about Strom, be like, oh, all right, well, maybe they, maybe they could push it here and find a playoff spot. Um, it's a shame. Just hope that he's okay. Hope that he gets back. You know, that, that picture, that fracture that's going around all over Twitter looks brutal. Um, and I don't know what, you know, requiring surgery or whatnot, but, you know, I think at this point you just protect him and say, you know, just come back when you need to come back. And if that's next season, that's, that's what happens. You know, I don't in a shortened season and in a season where they probably were not going to be very competitive anyway, rushing him back doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that's where I'm at. What do you think, Goldstein? Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I get – I don't think it was a mistake for Doc to go play. I mean, he was named team captain, so um, obviously they viewed him as a leader. And um, a lot of other top prospects went and played. Uh, uh, Byron, Cousins um, – why can't I think of his name? He's, he lit it up the other night. I can't think of his name. Cole Caulfield, all those guys went and played. So, and they were all drafted the same year as Doc was. Also, if in a shortened season without a training camp, with limited training camp activities, any ice time for a kid who needs to develop, whether it's playing against his peers or upper level talent, I think is a good thing. So it's just unfortunate that Doc got hurt. Um, I also, I mean, the Blackhawks seem to let their picks go play in the world junior championships. Uh, Henry Yokiharu, I believe was let go to play during the season. He was a part of the Blackhawks. Um, and I know he wasn't the second overall pick. And ultimately I think that was because um, Jeremy Colleton didn't like him and just wanted to get him out of town. And so they let him go play in the world junior championship, but I think it was the right move to let him go play. Um it's unfortunate he got hurt and it's unfortunate that he probably will miss this entire season considering this is going to be more of a developmental year. But one thing that I uh, take from it is, so he was named team captain of the world of uh, team Canada. And like, um, like Andy said, he's going to be here theoretically for a number of years. And eventually he's going to have to transition to some sort of leadership role. So any experience in a leadership role, wherever it is in his career, I think is beneficial because whether you believe leaders are made or leaders are, it's an innate ability, you still have to, um, you still have to uh, fulfill a leadership role at some point. So I think it was the right move. Right. I think the, the hardest part, I mean, you feel sorry for the kid. I mean, that, that's the, the worst part of it. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but, you know, he's already got 64 NHL games. You know, he's got a dozen playoff games. You know, what was that expectation to get him out on the ice and, and get him more play? I mean, he should dominate in the corners. He should dominate in front of the net. Probably could have been on the wall uh, on the power play, but 
Um, you know, for me, you know, if I'm looking at it and saying, okay, this is a developmental thing, it was college or, or you know, juniors, you got into the, uh, you know, into the uh, uh, World Junior Classic and, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is a natural progression. To me, it was almost going backwards though, where you've got this kid that's already got playoff experience, quote unquote, playoff experience, you know, not the atmosphere or anything, but there was some intensity. You know, he's got 64, 65 games under his belt at the NHL level. What, what was, what was that going to be bringing um, overall to me? So, you know, I, I'm not, you know, they decided that's fine. It's, uh, unfortunately he got hurt again, you know, you'd rather him absolutely dominate and you'd feel better about it, but you're in the winning business, uh, you know, as a general manager, as a, you know, as an organization. So for me, the tough part was what was going to, what was going to be the, the benefit that was going to be better than when he left. You know, like Sean said, or Andy said, hey, the leadership or, you know, stuff along those lines. You know, if he went out and dominated 18, 19 year olds, does that make him a better NHL or, you know, stuff along those lines? Because he's already played in the NHL. He already knows he has that taste for it. You know, he's not going to Rockford. He's not coming in as a rookie this year. He's coming in as your second line center that you were hoping to get <laughs> a lot of minutes out of this year um, that you saw in the playoffs last year against Edmonton and, and Vegas. So, you know, for me, I, I like the fact that if I was, you know, an organization, I'd say, hey, listen, if it was just a natural progression, you're always going to be there. I have no issues with it. But if you're going to be on my NHL roster and I know you're going to be on an NHL roster, you're going to be a big part of it. My philosophy would always be, hey, you're, you're sticking with me. We got to win with the big, you know, we got to win here. Um, but it is unfortunate. It looked brutal. Like you said, Andy, um, you hope everything comes back. All right. For this season, hey, this is a wash. If he comes back and wants to play 10 games, it's all about being ready in, in training camp in the fall. It's not about this year for him. Right. Definitely unfortunate. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny that you guys have all made some really good points. And I think, um, you know, I think you got to look at the step back and look at the arc of the team right now and the player, you know, Kirby 15 years from now, we're going to look back on this and this is going to be, I think a very minor blip. We have a guest. Another guest has arrived. He's leaving just as quickly, though. It's not um, Sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but, you know, I, I think when we look back on Kirby Doc's career 15 years from now, this is going to be a really small blip. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the Blackhawks as a team, I don't think much memorable is going to happen for the Blackhawks this year, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be, uh, you know, this is a team sort of, excuse me, a season on the way to better seasons for them, hopefully. Um, and that's me being really optimistic. Um, but, um, I, you know, and yeah, I mean, the, the photograph that was going around was just gruesome, you know, uh, it's obviously something that they're going to put pins in. Um, and so it did say that they, he was going to have surgery, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a long process of healing. And then also the rehab that's going to have to go with that, the physical therapy, um, and, you know, for, and a guy who, who's a skilled player, you know, for one of its risks, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a long process, but all that said, you know, he, he, there's certain things he can still do in the weight room, um, you know, and keep working on his strength. Um, obviously not upper body, but certainly lower body. Missing, like you, missing the World Juniors is something that's going to really set the player. I think, but he's going to miss in the NHL this year. Set back a little bit, which is unfortunate. But he did a valuable experience last year, so I don't 
totally a lost year, you know, regardless of how much he actually plays, because he will have that further. We got a frozen John Jekyll here. Uh oh. Uh oh. There we go. <laughs> but I think what he's trying to say, or at least yeah. in terms of like um, being able to work out, like he can still work on his core and still his legs and still he can still skate eventually when his when his wrist heals and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have you guys heard? Maybe maybe I've uh, not heard this right, but wrist injuries take a little bit longer to heal, even when like. The surgery is complete and everything like that. It takes longer to heal, doesn't it? Like you're still weak in your wrist for a long time. Yeah, it, it does take a while. And I mean, I, I remember, and I think and it might've been John that put this in our little chat room. And that was that conversation about Marcus Kruger when he had that wrist injury and he came back and how difficult it was for him to get in a face-off dot again. Um, and that whole motion of moving the puck back and you know, what that did and, and how that was difficult to overcome. I mean, it's certainly, you know, it's certainly a sport where you are using your wrists quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and so you do, you do need that to be as strong as possible. And I guess, you know, I, I think if he takes care of it, I don't, as John, as you mentioned, it will probably be just a blip on the radar. Um, I guess personally, my frustration is there was no player that I was more excited to watch this year um, in the red and black than, than doc. And particularly if, the idea if he was going to be that two center and he possibly would skate with 88, it was that all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, we finally have someone, you know, solidified in that spot. Now we finally have a centerman for one of the most dynamic players that has ever played the game. Um, and that, that was, that was what I was, I, he was the most exciting young player to, to show up since, uh, you know, since the two legends, um, you know, Taves and Kane have been around. So it's just a letdown. Be like, oh, it's just a drag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he and um, he and um, Boakvist are the two guys really who are the future of the franchise right now. You know, um, there's you maybe Ian Mitchell enters into that conversation some at some point this year or the end of the year. If he has a really, you know, the, the rookie season that some are projecting for him, um, he enters into that conversation. But these are the guys who are the future right now, these two guys. So one half of that equation is on the shelf this year, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because I mean um, this is what Hawk fans have to really look forward to the next few years is the, is the development of these guys and whoever else forms the next core, you know um, it seems almost disrespectful to say that, you know, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith are really going to be part of the past at some point, but that's the way it's going. I mean, um, I, I personally don't believe the Hawks are going to win another cup while those guys are in uniform uh, for the Hawks. It's just the mathematics aren't there. Um, and, and, you know, where they're at in their careers and it's a shame. Um, but at the same time, it is what it is. And so these guys are the future. And again, I, you know, again, you guys were, I think I got disconnected briefly, but you guys are talking about um, wrist injuries, you know, who knows? It, it could affect his play as a center, especially um, in the faceoff dot. Um, that's what, that was the, what the wrist injury did to Marcus Kruger. I don't remember which hand it was for Kruger. I know he's a left-handed player. Um, and I, so I don't, but it did affect him in the faceoff dot pretty significantly. And um, it, if it has that effect on doc, then, you know, he could still be a great wing, um, you know, but we'll have to see. I mean, it's, it's really too early to say that this is going to necessarily prevent him from playing center, et cetera. But 
he's going to be a really good player. I mean, it's, fortunately it wasn't a knee, you know, <laughs> you know, so, um, but it's just, again, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a year without Kirby doc for the most part. Mm-hmm. So anybody else have anything on this one? Nope. Just tough to swallow that it wasn't in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Now we're going to move on to Sean Goldstein's favorite topic, and that is the injury to Alex Nylander. Um, you know, Nylander is a guy that certainly Stan, Stan Bowman was hoping it was going to be part of this, you know, conversation of the future of the Blackhawks. I mean, in terms of hockey skill, um, it could be argued that he could be in that conversation. It's, it's the other intangibles that he doesn't seem to have that have kept him out of that conversation. And now he's had a very serious injury um, and he may miss all or most of the season as well. Uh, what do you guys think, Ray? It's tough because you you don't see what you want to see on the ice from him, uh, but he's still only 80 some odd games into a, into a career, you know? So, I mean, he's still only 21, you know, and you're hoping that, you know, yeah, he had some, you know, early games on with Boston and, and struggled a little bit last year. You didn't see what you wanted to see out of him, uh, you know, as a 20 or 21 year old, you know, I thought this was going to be a big make or break year for him, you know, to say, Hey, this is somebody that maybe you see as a piece, maybe you start to see him uh, scratch the surface a little bit, so to speak, but, Again, you know, I mean, he just doesn't get a ton of ice time as well, you know, so, uh, you know, when you're talking about a rebuild, like we joke around in the, in the chat that, you know, if it's going to be a rebuild, maybe he is somebody that was getting 16, 17 minutes a night instead of a dozen, you know, maybe you're trying to see what you can, what you can get out of him, but then if you can't trust him to win a hockey game, he's not getting 17, 18 minutes a night. So that's a tough, tough injury, I think, for him, because he's kind of at that crossroad of, you know, where Doc, you know, you feel like he's going to be good, you're, it's unfortunate. This was, hey, what do we have here after 84 games, 85 games at the NHL level to say, yeah, this is somebody that I could resign or this is somebody that I need to move on from. Or if he caught fire and somebody wanted him, I could trade him at the deadline if I didn't, you know, if I felt like I'd get some assets for him. So that's a tough one because I, I think I think he definitely had a lot to prove this year to, to show, hey, you know, I, I deserve to be in the National Hockey League. Sean. I didn't realize that Nylander was that young. I thought he was older. And yeah, Ray, you're right. He's 21, 22 years old. And this year, it's another blow to the Blackhawks because this year is they're not going to be any good. So it's all about development for the future. And like Ray said, if you're going to find out what you have in the guy, you need to play him as much as possible. And with the the burden of not the burden of trying to win games off the table. Like they're not trying to win games this year, regardless of what they say, what they're advertising or anything. They're not trying to win games, not as many games as possible. They're, they're trying to be bad to get a, to get in the lottery and hopefully uh, get lucky and get another top three pick. You got to find out what you have in your young players. And Nylander was one of those guys. We hoped Kirby doc would take another step. Um, so Nylander and Doc Knock being there is huge blows. It's just, it, it hurts this quote unquote rebuilds development. You've got to, if you're going to, if you're going to rebuild, you got to figure out what you have before you, uh, move down the road. So I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's horrible that what happened to him. AC, what do you think? I think it's a shame for, for Nylander. Um, I, it couldn't happen at a worse time in his young career. Um, particularly, I mean, he, he had a really tough go last year. I mean, he, he was not great. And, and I think that there were, there were some de- definite flaws in his game. 
Um, you know, some uh, the hockey fans that were watching him, I think for the most part found him to be underwhelming and disappointing. That doesn't mean he's like a bad person or anything. I just think that with a, with a team that struggles defensively, um, he was possibly, he's just a, not a great fit. You know, when someone's uh, in zone habits are, are the way that his were last year, it was really painful to watch him. Um, and, and so he had a long way to go. And so for him to particularly to be in a contract year coming up this year, being a restricted free agent to be where you don't hold any of the cards with your next contract, it is kind of a, a put up or shut up year for him. And so for him to have an injury, that's going to have him miss the rest of the year is, is really throws a wrench in his career for that matter. Um, and so that's very hard for him now. Yeah. I mean, now the cynic in me and, and no one you know wants to hear this, but Stan Bowman could be viewing this right now as his get out of jail free card. I mean, he can walk away from Alex Nylander right now and say, well, he got hurt. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the way that it goes. Um, I don't know what, you know, no one knows what the, the shape of the team will be in, in financially. No one knows what the shape of the NHL is going to be in financially right. when all of a sudden, you know, contract season comes about again and, and where and how Alex Nylander will sign. Um, anywhere. I mean, he, there's a possibility Alex Nylander could be signing a two-way deal somewhere or, or a PTO for that matter. Um, We just don't know the economics of what the NHL is going to be dealing with. Um, And he certainly at this stage of the game, you know, I I don't think that the Hawks will be in a hurry to make him part of their plan. I don't think that Stan Bowman will feel that kind of pressure to say, well, I traded away Yoki Haru for this guy. People were mad at me about it. Now I really need to bring him back. And, and prove that this was worth it when, when he does now have, you know, a little bit more, you know, uh, leverage behind an injury to not have to feel that the burden of that. Um, so I think this, this is, this, this really stinks for Nylander. It's really a shame. It's really a shame. And I'm, I'm sure he went into, you know, this summer and, and he probably knew about this injury for a long time and knew that it needed to be fixed. But um, I did not have high expectations for him as a hockey player this year, personally. Um, and that's, again, I, I hate to be so cynical about someone, but, but I'm sure he had a lot of high hopes for himself going into a contract year and saying, Hey, this year I got to go in and prove that I'm, that I'm a player in this league. Um, so it's a real drag for him. Um, injuries are always hard and, and particularly with, with his situation, this, this could be pretty detrimental to his career, um, because he hasn't quite proven it. Yes. He's still a prospect technically, Yeah, but, um, but there were, there were some real, real flaws um, in his hockey game last year yeah. um, at this level. And, and so, I mean, just, you know, just an inability to protect the puck very well. Uh, lots of ring turns, not great in his defensive zone. And um, so, you know, I, um, you don't want to see injury, but, you know, you also, I hoping for the best for him, for his future. Yeah. Yeah. I think Andy, you make a really good point. I think that, you know, how he comes back from this injury and, you know, how the Hawks bring him back, if they bring him back eventually, I think it's all up in the air now. Um, and it is a shame. I mean, cause you know, when you, when I watched him last year, you know, you, you'd see him out of the corner of your eye and go, wow, you know, that guy, that kid's got some skill, but then you'd see those just selfish bonehead plays. Um, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them without the puck and, and just being a complete non-factor at times. And, just, you know, that typical skating up and up and down his wing and not really making a difference. You know, it's just a shame with that kind of talent. 
Um, and, you know, so you, you had that mental issue that, that was there that impeded him physically. Well, now you've got a pretty serious physical issue that he's going to have to come back from. How hard is he going to work in his rehab? If he works as hard in his rehab as he does on the ice, hey, you know, it's just not good. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to see what happens with him. I, but, the, you know, I also don't think that the Hawks were really counting on, on him because of the fact that, he kind of played his way out of Buffalo and um, he, you know, really didn't, didn't knock people out last year with his effort and his, his uh, preparation and his focus. So um, I don't think they were really counting on him. It's not like doc where it was like, wow, this is going to be a big step up year for him and one more year in his, in his development. So, um, you know, it is unfortunate, um, unfortunate for him too. That's a really good point. Cause I'm, yeah, he's probably not a bad kid. He comes from a good family, you know, his brother's a really good hockey player. His dad was a really good hockey player. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll work out for him and, you know, maybe it won't be in Chicago and maybe it will, you know? So, um, but you know, it's, I, I really have to kick myself because I probably should have brought this up right after Kirby doc. Cause I think this is a related topic, the Dylan Strom negotiations, uh, you know, what I want to get you guys take on that. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm one who, who has felt that Dylan Strom um, may not be um, quite the hockey player that I think some of the fans believe he is. Um, I don't think he's a bad hockey player. I just think he's limited. And I, I question whether he really is an important piece in a rebuild um, or if he's, if he's a guy that, you know, can sort of, you know, he could, for example, he could center the second line with Doc being out, I guess, although center may not be his best position. Yeah, his skating deficiencies may slow that line down a little bit. But then again, Brad Richards wasn't a great skater either, and he was maybe the best center Patrick Kane has had in the last five, six years. So, um, but what do you guys think about, about the deal with, with uh, Strom, uh, number one? And number two, how does the Doc injury uh, impact the Hawks' bargaining power? And does this – is this perhaps what pushed Stan to go out and sign Carl uh, Soderberg? Um, Ray? I think uh, Soderberg might have had a little bit to do with that. I'm, obviously, there were some talks before that doesn't just happen that quickly. But, uh, you know, when, when that injury happens, you got to get somebody out there who can play in all positions, somebody that can play at the NHL level, somebody that you can trust. And I know he's a little bit older, but, you know, he brings what you look for in a, in a third line center, uh, you know, in, in a perfect world. For me, I'm glad it wasn't Strom. I, I was nervous that when I saw the, the Hawks tweet, you know, hey, we signed Strom to this deal, that, that would have been, I think, the knee-jerk reaction that would have, uh, you know, given me a grabber. Uh, his skating, a um, lot of flybys, doesn't do a lot of the dirty work that you like to see out of a center. Um, you know, for me, okay on draws. You know, he doesn't use his size, I, I think, to his advantage. He's not a small human being, you know, so, I mean, it's something that, I think if you could get some draft picks for him, I'd have no problem um, shipping him out, uh, you know, when it comes to that. But, you know, for me, I'm looking for a second line center. If Soderbergh could come up there and play now, fine. You know, that, that's not going to bother me. You know, I, I threw a tweet out there that, you know, before the, you know, Carl signing Hawks projected to 50 points, still 50 points. That doesn't change anything. I think Strom doesn't change anything if he's not around, you know, stuff along those lines. He just doesn't have what I'm looking for, you know, up and down the middle for that, that center position. So, and then, like you said, you talk about skating deficiencies for me, a lot of flybys, um, you know, not tough in the corners, not tough in front of the net, 
you know, what, what's he doing out there? You know, he could get some, some good plays with Kane. Uh, you know, you could put a lot of players out there and, and they're going to get some, some nice, some nice action from, from Kane or so, you know, for me, I, I think Soderberg was fine overall. If you could flip him, if you're going to flip Strom, you know, hopefully you could do it now. I think it does hurt a little bit knowing that, you know, Doc's not going to be around, maybe some trade value that maybe somebody might squeeze you. But, you know, when you look at, you know, Derek Steppen getting a second round pick, you know, what can I get for Strom? I mean, he would definitely be on, on the trading block right now. And especially since a team can get him really cheap if they feel like he can be a difference maker up and down that lineup for him. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, like Ray said, Strom doesn't really affect you either way. I think he's he's like a luxury this team doesn't can't afford right now. If you're going to, if you're really intent on rebuilding, Dylan Strom is not a part of that plan. You, you have to move him for assets for the future because Dylan Strom, even when they're ready to win in a few years or when the money comes off the books that are holding them back, he's not going to be here. So, so why invest money in a player that's not going to be in your long-term future is my thing. Um, I suggested Dylan Strom, if he can get you a third and a fifth, I'd make the move. Um, uh, that was before the Stefan trade, obviously, but still, I, I think you, um, you move on from him. He, um, he's just, he's an offensive luxury. He's an offensive player and in a team that doesn't play any defense as it is. Uh, with the goalies they have this year, he's not going to make that big of a difference. I, I think if you really want to commit to this rebuild, you move all the assets you can. Strom is an asset you can move, and you can get something in return for him. And I don't know about I don't know about me, you guys, but trading for a player and negotiating the contract yourselves gives me more value in in my in in my mind because I'm not taking on uh, somebody's three million or five million dollar player when maybe I think I can get him for two million or something like that. I just he's not a luxury you can have. Soderberg will be a nice piece and hopefully he plays well enough they can flip him at the deadline and get more assets back. It's all right now it's all about developing the young players you have and acquiring assets. That's all it is. It it there's no there's no there's no like we're gonna try to sneak into the A spot anymore. There's none of that anymore. This is what the re this is what the rebuild is. And, it, and if you're going with John's line of thinking of cost cutting, which it, then Strom's gone. Strom's got to go because he costs you too much money. Andy, what do you think, man? Well, so I, yeah, I, um, I'm with Ray. Like I, when I originally heard of the doc injury, I, my first inkling was, oh man, now the Strom signing is going to be expedited and it's going to come quick and looks like he's coming back. Um, as a hockey player, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Dylan Strom supporter. Um, I just, I, his skating deficiencies, he's not particularly quick. Will he be able to keep up with the pace of the NHL in the latter stages of his career? Like as he nears his thirties, is he even going to be in the league anymore? Um, and so that kind of committing to a rebuild, uh, with Dylan Strom as your number two center doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I don't have the feeling that he and his camp right now are feeling a whole lot of love from the Blackhawks as, as they quickly sign Carl Soderberg. I'm sure that you know, that, that might've been a signal to him of maybe it's time to move on. Yeah, uh, this isn't the Marcus Kruger, like handshake agreement where we're going to give you, we're going to wait the last possible second to move money, sign you, and then we'll pay you on your next contract. Yeah. This and I mean, I, this isn't that. 
I'm totally with Sean that see what you can get for him right now at any cost now, but here's the thing. Here's the other thing. Now I don't know where Stan Bowman's head is and none of us do. Um, and we've known that for a long time, <laughs> but if, if the idea is that Stan is really trying to convince himself, let's try to make a run at this this year. And I need to prove something to the fans, you know, that, that, that Soderbergh contract signals to Strom that if you want to come back to the Blackhawks, you are probably going to take something in that term and something at that price or less than that. If the Hawks can afford it, you know, do you bring Strom back on a one-year deal and just say, put him in two, put Soderbergh at three and let's actually try to see if we can run with this or, do you just kind of say, we're going to go into the season without really having a real number two center. And we're just, it's a shortened season. Let's just see how we do. Let's see what Pius Suter can do. I mean, Pius Suter, you know, we, you know, he's highly coveted. He's the MVP of that, you know, Swiss A-League. The last MVP of that Swiss A-League is a guy named Dominic Kubelik, who the Hawks signed and he comes in and he pumps in 30 goals. You know, Suter can play center and he can play wing. Is he someone that can come in? They go, all right, put him with Patty, put him with 88 and let's see what we can do. And is he your number two center for this year? And then maybe he goes to wing ultimately. I mean, a Soderbergh is a number three center, a three or a four realistically right. on any right. team. It's nice to have him for the depth. I actually think the signing's a good one. You know, you need, you need some seasoned players. You need some good pros, especially with the de- uh, defensive woes that the Hawks have. You need someone you know, who's a pivot who can play in their own end of the ice. Um, that's critical. And he's proven that he can do that. He can do that very well. Um, and so I think that it's, you know, you don't want to make sure that you get lit up every single game and he can certainly, you know, play that role. But then the center depth right now is so confusing. Um, you know, it's just kind of this laundry list of guys um, that can play center, right. but they're, they're all kind of three or four centers, three at best and four likely centers in the NHL. So you have kind of a, you've got your one in Jonathan Taves, you have your two who got injured and then you've got a three who might play two, but it's like, it's, it's kind of like you, it's like the, the Cubs and their leadoff man, how they can never get their leadoff man figured out. It's like the Hawks and their number two center. It's like, ah, come on. Yeah. yeah Cause so, then you have your collection of Walmart, Janmark and camp. Right. All just their guys. Right. Carpenter, you know, Shaw and Smith, but who knows where their careers are headed at this stage of the game. You know, they can all play a fourth line grinder center role, but you just don't really have that number two right now. Now, are they going to give Pius Suter that look? Um, Might as well. Yeah. Why not? Give anybody, anybody and everybody a look. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And I I think they have something in Kurashev, but it might, it just might not be this year. Um, you know, he might need another half season in Rockford, depending on when the AH- AHL gets going, but he's also fitting the mold of that third line, right. You know, defensive center role that maybe when they walk away from Soderbergh, maybe that's their third line center. So I don't know. I think it's a good signing, the Soderbergh signing. I'm all for it. I do think it's time to walk away from Dylan Strom. I, I certainly, you know, Ray and Sean, I, I agree with both of you that it's, he, he should not be part of the plan. Um, he just doesn't quite fit. There's something missing from his game. That just doesn't – there's no wow factor there. You know, it's funny about Strom because the guy that I want to compare him to, and it's just – it's that missing that – that, you know, hard to hard to nail down missing ingredient. But I want to call – I want to hope that he'll develop into sort of a sort of a Jason Spezza type player. But it, it, there's just something not there with him. And, you know, I look at Strom, and, and he's, he's, he's not physically very mature at this point. 
And so I've wondered, can, can he, if when he, when he grows up a little bit physically, and when I say he's tall already, but he's really skinny and he's not very strong. You can just tell by looking at him. Um, you, you wonder if he could, if he could, because every once in a while he'll push back and, and he'll show a little bit of, a little bit of what, what the Canadians call sandpaper. Um, you know, he'll show a little bit of that every once in a while, but he's not going to do much right at this point because he's, he's overmatched physically by a lot of players and a lot of opposing centers. Um, and you wonder if he could mature physically and gain some strength, if that could make him a more effective short area player as a center, um, even if he's never going to be a great, great skater. Um, and all that said, I don't know. I just feels like the way this negotiation is going and the Hawks are going to play hardball with him. I don't feel like he's got a lot of leverage with him. I, you know, and here's the other thing I want to say about Strom because um, Strom is sort of a flashpoint. I mean, Strom is a guy that Stan Bowman traded a number one or, or a first a first round pick for um, Nick Schmaltz. And when he came in, people thought, oh, Stan won this trade. And, and, you know, but a lot of the bloom has come off the uh, Strom's rose, so to speak. And I want to see if Bowman is willing to play hardball and do like Sean is saying and recognize that Strom is really not the kind of asset you want for this rebuild. He's maybe more of a, you know, a short-term solution to some problems. And, and um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Bowman deals with him. And does he, does he trade him now while somebody might give you a second and third round pick for him? Because you got to remember it wasn't too long ago. He was a third overall selection in the draft. 2015. Yeah. yeah. And so it is possible that you could get some decent futures for him right now. If he goes to another team or he spends another year with the Hawks and they move him out to wing and it becomes a poor man's Artem Anisimov, you're probably only going to get like a third round pick for him. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Bowman handles this or, you know, if they try to plug him in at 2C because Doc's going to be gone, which to me is very much a it's a band-aid solution. It has nothing. It doesn't make any sense really for the team, for the development of the team, but we'll see what, we'll see what Bowman does. This could be a little bit of a flashpoint. For and it was, my first reaction was, why are they? Uh oh, his reaction was clearly shocking. <laughs> right. Um, but the more I thought about it, I thought they could flip him. Could flip him at the deadline. And he is the kind of player pick up at the deadline. And for a million dollars prorated left on his deal, that's a, that's a brand something for him. So it kind of makes Well, it, and John, especially if you're a rebuilding team, like you want – uh, you want to do that. You want to get cheap assets that you can flip for future assets at deadlines. Like you want to get like Carl Soderberg or um, I don't think the Rangers, I don't think did this when they rebuilt, but I guess I'll go to a different sport. And like what the Cubs did when they rebuilt, they traded, they had, they right. signed guys to deals that going into the deal, they knew if they performed at their career level or above, they were going to flip them for something else. Like that was just the point of signing that player. Yeah, right. Right. Because ultimately the money wasn't the important thing. It was the future asset that they were getting. And maybe, right. you know, maybe they do with Throne, they do a sign and trade where they sign them to a deal that they can afford. They keep some of that cap space on their books and they get a better 
a better prospect or a better pick in return. They can do that too. I mean, sal- uh, the Blackhawks finally have a little bit of salary caps, cap space. Maybe leverage that as a weapon in, in a deal with somebody. Well, it would be nice to see Bowman start to do some things that say, yes, you are rebuilding. You know, because so far he's talked about it, but he hasn't really done anything other than getting a couple of ECHL guys in those deals over the summer. Like anything you could look at and go, wow, yeah, that's a really great that's that says that they're focusing on the future. Um, and, you know, I'm not there's nobody who wants to see Stan Bowman succeed more than I do. Honestly, I really do. I have, I mean, I'm really down on him and have been for the last year or two, um, especially since the Robin Leonard situation last year. But I, you know, it would be great because it would be great for the team. It would be great for the fans if we really could have, you know, a, a real rebuild and a, and a real future um, for this team, you know, built around Doc and Boquist and whoever else. Uh, so, but it's, it's, I just want to see those moves that are really rebuilding moves so far. It's like hard to discern. That's why I say, I think the, I think the Strom thing and how he handles it, it's going to be interesting. If, if he moves Strom for picks, then I think you're, you're like, yes, he's, he's really starting to do some rebuilding moves. What do you guys think? The hardest part about that is the only move that, that rebuilding moves that I think what you would go, Whoa, Holy cow. We're really rebuilding would be having a tough conversation with Mm -hmm. Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith saying, Mm -hmm. what do you, you know, give me 10 teams. Are you willing to do this? You know, Keith, you want to make a run at it. You could maybe win two more Kane. I could get a boat's, you know, a King's ransom for you. You know, are you open to it? You know, stuff along those lines. That's kind of where they're stuck. I mean, Seabrook, that's, you know, it's never going to happen. It's never right. happen. So you look at those three guys and you go, Hey, what can I get back in return for those three guys that would say, Hey, we're rebuilding. And that way you could see, you know, I mean, Pius, uh, I think he's going to get some time with Kane to see if he could play. You know, I don't think he's going to come in and shoot 19% like Kubelik did. I don't think Kubelik's going to finish his career as a 19% shooter. The brink, it's oh. going to be better than 8% next year, you know, I mean, than and he was last year, you know, so the, these guys are going to, you know, the averages and, and stuff along those lines. Right. So you get a guy like a Pius that can play and, you know, but if what other pieces can they ship out to say, Hey, we're rebuilding besides those three guys. And that's a tough conversation right. to have. And, you know, whether that comes from, you know, we're just going to ride this out and, and see where it goes and start all over and pretend like we're rebuilding. But the only three guys that I think you could say, wow, look, we, we're ready to make this a, a, a rebuild is, is with those three guys and, and try to get some return for them. Because, yeah, I mean, you get picks for Strom, you get picks for Soderberg, hopefully you get picks for, you know, whoever, you, whoever uh, you know, you can flip. But is that, are those going to be difference maker picks, you know, when you're talking about second or third rounds, you know, as opposed to maybe I can get myself some first round picks. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, in terms of the big building blocks you need for a rebuild, you're not going to get them unless there are some bigger conversations about guys waving no movement clauses, et cetera. And, um, you know, we've gone around and around on that on this show and, and I wouldn't rule that out as a, if one or more of those players goes to management and says, you know, I really would like a shot at another cup somewhere. And I don't think I'm going to get it here. Um, those people, I think a lot of Hawk fans don't think that happens or can happen. It does happen and it could happen. Um, it, especially when you got a Patrick Kane, who's the youngest of those three players and probably the most remaining ability really is in his prime. And is it, they're all very competitive guys. Every one of those three guys, super competitive guys. 
Um, and I, I think it's so, but you're right. I mean, the, the, but I mean, just in terms of like, for example, the sod trade and not to relitigate that, but I mean, there were a lot of people, uh, myself included, but especially our friend, uh, Jeff Osborne, gatekeeper, who was really disappointed that they didn't get more futures for sod, you know? Um, so, we, but we don't have to go into that again. And I guess I'm talking more about that. I mean, even like getting a third for Soderberg or, uh, you know, getting, um, you know, a couple of picks for Strom. I mean, and again, as opposed to holding on to Strom and giving him some kind of a bridge deal and plug him in when you know he's limited, you know he may not be on that team or in any kind of a meaningful role when you get to win a cup again, if you get to win a cup again, why would you hold on to him? Or will you flip him and get some assets? I guess that's what I'm talking about. They're not huge moves, but they do signal that you really are focused on the future instead of the same old BS and, you know, talking about rebuilding. Ray said, uh, if you're going to rebuild, commit to it. Commit right. to it. Right. And why not this year? The seats are probably going to be empty during the season, more than likely, anyways. So you're not you're not losing it. You're already going to lose that revenue on ticket sales, anyways. Why not? If you're going to rebuild this year or last year, are the years like if you're going to fully commit to it, like Ray said, like have those conversations. This is the time because you're yeah. not going to lose ticket sales because nobody's good. Yeah, the majority I, of people I, aren't going to be able to go. Yeah, I think those conversations, I mean, if, if, if we're referring to those conversations and inviting players like Kane and Taves and Keith to come in and say, look, we we have a feeling you might not be able to win here again. If you'd like to go, we can work on this for you. I, I don't I think that they're more than likely going to be able to have that conversation with a player like Duncan Keith, where with Kane and Taves, their contracts are so heavy during difficult financial times where I don't, right. I don't I don't know if those conversations can happen with those two until maybe another couple years. I think right. their contracts are up in the summer of 2023. Right. I but the, but the, the contracts were front loaded like they made like all their money, like the cap hit is big but I'm pretty sure their money I'm trying to look it up right now. Their money was paid out in the beginning of it. Like it was, I think it was structured similar to what uh, Marion Hosa's deal was like Marion Hosa made all his money up front. And then at the end of his contract, even though the cap hit was 10 and a half million, the actual the actual dollar amount that he was getting paid was way less than right but I, i'm referring to the actual cap hit itself still being a problem right, for someone right. else who would have to take on i mean a, a 10.5 million dollar cap hit for three years of jonathan taves is a lot yeah no it is it is and the hawks would probably have to take some money back right exactly or they would have to retain have but to you know where but me, five and a half might be a little bit more right. plausible right so you know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, though. You know, and and they're they're you know they can retain money now. They can um, you know they can they can take an expiring deal back, or they can take a um, a few million back on a player they want to keep. Um, you never know. I mean, um, if and I, I guess it depends. Like for example, I think the the one guy that if you threw his name out there, it'd be interesting to see what kind of offers people would put together. That would be Patrick Kane. You know, and and. Uh, um, you might have to take a contract back, but, but somebody could really sweeten it with a lot of great futures knowing you want them. If it's a team that's really close and that high scoring dynamic winger could be the thing, you know, super competitive, three cups to his credit. He's 32 years old. Again, it's all what ifs, but right. uh, stranger things have happened in the world of pro sports trades, you know, and uh, uh, I don't think the Hawks are going to be actively shopping those guys. But I think it's probably not a, not a secret to any of the 30 NHL G GMs that if you called Stan Bowman, he would at least listen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you never know, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see, especially if they're way, if they're out of the playoffs, um, by the trade deadline or, uh, you know, clearly we're looking at another two to three they're years. They're out of the playoffs now, John. No. <laughs> playoffs now. I understand. No, I understand that. And it, right. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it, it's going to really, it, cause these guys are going to start going to look at it. They're going to go, wow, I may never get another shot at a cup. Right. What does that mean? And, and how do I feel about that? You know? Um, and when the, you know, the building, and again, I, I realize that we're dealing with COVID and the building's empty now. Uh, however, um, I didn't realize that last week, but, um, no, um, but you know, when, when they start to see what it's like to play for a, an also ran team, a middle of the pack or worst team, you know, without it, without all the things that go with being the Chicago blacks, Blackhawks of the last 15 years, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, whether those guys want to stick around. Um, and I know we talk, we end up talking about this every show, but it is like the, the big 800 uh, pound gorilla in the room of the Blackhawks. I think every year, you know, especially going forward, it's going to be, what do you think, Ray? It's going to be the same thing as we've been talking about. I mean, I feel like we've been having this conversation for a long time. I think two years ago, I did a, a a podcast with you guys and I said it's all about 2023 and it's not 2023 yet yeah. here we are yeah. you know we're still kind of talking about the same stuff over and over I know you want to win I know you want to compete at the highest levels and, and stuff along those lines but you know this is you know I've said this before this is two years too late you know this is something that you know you, you always talk about good general managers like oh wow he got rid of him at the right time or wow he made that move at the perfect time now you're kind of stuck uh, right and in neutral and, and probably going you're in neutral downhill uh as well um going the wrong way so for me i i think you know they say rebuild they say that they're doing all the right things you're just you're stuck you know with a lot of older guys that want cups with you and that's just kind of where we're at we we're talking about this two years ago you know before yeah. they, before they picked kirby doc that it should have been hey let's let's take a run at 2023 and you know, now you look at it and go, hey, you're throwing a pandemic and I'm not getting beer sales and I'm not getting jersey sales and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. Hey, you might have been at, at the bottom, you know, taking on payment. Yeah, give me a first rounder. I'll take that six and a half million. I got to get to the bottom, you know, or hey, something along those lines. I'll take on right. another guy. But, you know, it's two years too late now. So, yeah, just just stuck in neutral going uphill. I agree. I mean, it's a shame because. Um, you know, a couple of years from now, we could be talking about, you know, several Kirby docs in, in you know, at, at a Boakvist, but it's going to be a slow process. And it, it's going to, you know, when one of these guys gets hurt, like happened this year, it, it throws a damper on the whole thing, because I agree with you. I think the Hawks have pre- prepared themselves for coasting into 2023. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The organization is on coast. They're talking about rebuilding, but they but they know as well as anybody the way they're doing it. It's going to be a very slow process because they're not making huge fundamental moves in terms of the roster and the pipeline. And uh, anybody who buys that doesn't know what a, re- a rebuild really is. And we, we've all said that. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's what they're prepared for, certainly. And I but I again, I wonder if they're in a stance of, well, if somebody comes at us, it makes us an offer that makes sense for us financially. Um, and it gives us a ton of futures if they would do it. I think they would. It, it depends on what the offer is, though. As always, I mean, it's always about the market, you know. Um, 
So you could trade for Saad and lose a Saad trade for the fourth time. That'd be <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people can say that. No. Yeah, and that's the toughest part. You know, is is really it's got to have some tough conversations with with guys that are going to be in the rafters, guys that are always going to be coming back. You know, for the rest of their lives, are always going to be Blackhawks. But like you said, you know, uh, until then you're kind of stuck in neutral. Yep. Nobody wanted to see Mike Madonna go play for the Red Wings. Nobody wants to wanted to go see guys who like warrior team sweater go play for somebody else. But in the the more defined salary cap era, that's um, that's usually an eventuality. Most guys don't re- retire with one team. Right. Um, and uh, looking it up, Kane is due seven million this coming season in actual salary it's 10 and a half cap head and then it goes down to 6.9 for the next two seasons and actual money paid out so um maybe the hawks are it creativity can play in the deal i'm just saying that like i didn't mean to um kind of crap all over what andy said uh, earlier just that the the 10 and a half they're not actually getting paid that so if a team is willing to take if they have the room for that cap space knowing that they're not going to pay that, that might be a more attractive. Mm. Or maybe they wait until two years of Kane at 10 and a half might be more feasible for a team next year after this shortened season when people start well, getting know. back in the stands. Yeah, if they're not if they're not good in the fall of 2022, then the you know the conversations we're going to be having about Kane and Taves at the trade deadline are going to be really fun. Um, but I, yeah. I, Ray, I agree with you. I mean, I they're not they can't rebuild. They really can't. They're stuck. You know, they've got immovable assets. I mean, Corey Crawford, I guess that's, that's somewhat of a step, you know, letting him walk. Um, um, But, but that, that's the only, that was the only available move to make out of one of the quote unquote core guys, because the other four, you can't move them unless they want to be moved. And that's, and that's it. So, right. If you're going to be going with Delia and, and Subban and, uh, you know, everybody else, might as well have seen if, if Corey was interested uh, at last year's trade deadline. Why not get rid of Leonard and, and Corey? And, See, and that's what I that's, said. That, that's Yeah, and that's there's no excuse for that. That's what I said. I, I, I said they, they should have traded them both. Yeah. If, I mean, they, if they were going to rebuild, they should have just traded them both. You got these you know. two hot ticket goalies, and uh, yeah, well, we could go on and on, but they are the first and probably last 24 seed to ever win a, a playoff round, so you can always hang on to that. Yeah, they got my money to go watch in a parking lot at <laughs> Boomer Stadium, they were in the playoffs during a pandemic, so you know, th- that that's what it was. That's why they kept Corey to, to get my money and get other people's money, and um, that's why they kept Corey. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. And I, I also wonder how much John McDonough had to do with that decision to, to keep Crawford, to trade Leonard. Um, you know, um, it's also interesting that they had the, they actually even had mentioned the word rebuild. They didn't start talking about that until McDonough was gone. And maybe someday some of that backstory will leak out. Maybe not. Um, we'll see. But uh, Jason Mosky will write that book. <laughs> and I won't read it. No, nothing personal, Jay. Um, but uh, a, I don't read anything. I'm, I probably will. I probably will read it eventually. It's like I'm, it's like it's like the Athletic. I don't subscribe to the Athletic. I get other people to tell me what was in the stories. I'm a big library guy. That's how I read. So I'm I'm curious on Colleton, and I 
how much longer does he have? Is he going to be around after this year? Is he going to be a big part of this rebuild? And I think I, one of the things that I, I really don't want to see is in, in a shortened season is, is that this, this constant, and unfortunately I think it's going to happen, this constant shuffling of the deck and these new line mates every single night and nothing seems to stick. And are you going to let these guys play and figure it out? Or is it going to be this constant, I need to change things systematically and this guy needs to sit for a game and, you know, I, I don't know that that might be something that could wear on the players a lot too when they finally do go to management and say, get me out of here. But, you know, I wonder, he, I don't know if he's the right guy. <laughs> I don't think so. But. Well, it's interesting you say that. And and that's another, as we talk about the possibility of one or more of these guys going into management saying that, look, I want to change. I mean, there has been scuttlebutt um, and I, you know, I've never had it independently verified by anybody but there has been scuttlebutt and it's not hard to see some of the body language sometimes, especially with guys like Taves, that some of the vets were having a little bit of an issue with Colton. Um, and again, I mean, the question, you know, the question was asked by a lot of people when this, when this uh, promotion of Bowman was announced, why are they keeping Bowman? And then the people were also asking, why are they keeping Colton? And I guess what it comes down to is, is if you're not really, trying to rebuild. And if you're not really going to compete, it may not really matter that much. And the team can't afford to be firing guys. So they're dead salaries that they're paying. So maybe that's why they're still around. And maybe that's why Bowman was promoted. I don't know. But I mean, I got to wonder too, though, especially because you're right. I mean, Colleton is going to be talking the talk and he's going to be playing it tough and talking about effort every night and playing for 60 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. And some, I think some of these veteran guys are going to go shut the F up. You know, I, I just, I question, you know, Duncan Keith, how much is Duncan Keith going to listen to a guy who's younger than he is um, who's never won anything like he has, et cetera. I mean, I just wonder how long these guys are going to put up with this and how long they're going to remain committed to this. I don't, and I wouldn't blame them. I wouldn't blame them because these are guys who could go elsewhere and, and compete for cops still. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm being overly optimistic about, about, you know, the potential trade market for them. I don't know. Well, and piggybacking off what John and Andy said, like the line shuffling, especially when Andy said the line shuffling every year, are we going to scrap Colton's system after 10 games, like years past? Because remember he wanted to play a more defensive system and then they don't score they look really bad, and then we go to run and gun again. It's just wheeling and dealing. Is at and, some point, if you're really committed to a rebuild, then Jeremy Colleton is your guy, and the veteran guy should be gone. But if you're in between, Jeremy Colleton is not that guy because he can't placate the veterans. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. that falls on on Stan too. I mean, when you're yeah. you're following up Coach Quinville, who just finished, you know, the best run in in the history of the, the organization. One of the winningest coach, what's he number two in the league? Yeah, bring in a guy that's got some chops, that's coached in the league, um, who can get you through a year, year and a half. You know, your his dad had to know somebody that can step in there and say, "Listen, this is what we're going to do." I've won a Stanley Cup as an assistant coach. I've got two hundred games under my belt as an NHL, uh, you know, bench boss. Carlton was putting in. It might as well have been me back there. You know, just say, "Hey, you know." Johnny, this is what we're going to do. Dunks, this is what we're going to do. You know, looking back at me going, what? No, who is this guy? You know, so, I mean, it, it, he was put in a really tough spot. Yeah, he was, he was. Uh, and oh, yeah. and, and that's, on, that's on the general manager. You know, I mean, he put him in a, you know, he 
yeah, there's been a lot of times that in, you know, John, I, I think you mentioned it, you know, where you see the bench, you know, you see the reaction and stuff like that. There's more cameras than, than they yeah. do with now in rings. So, you know, but that's on stand again for me, you know I mean? Did you really think Jeremy Colleton was going to walk in and he was going to demand the respect from these guys and take you to the promised land again versus you could have brought in, and I don't know the names. You'd have to go back and say, Hey, he's got a little bit of chops behind the bench. He, you know, he knows what he's doing back here. You're going to respect him. Again, he's not three years younger than Duncan Keith. You know, you've been better off just making Jonathan Taze a player, player coach. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but one, of the thing, manager. one of the things I heard back then was that the veterans, the Stanley cup veterans, the core guys, the guys we've been talking about really. And, and, and Brent Seabrook were uh, very disappointed when, when Q was let go. Q had a really good relationship with those guys. And that was something I heard at that time. Um, and I think my strong suspicion is, is that they made the move and brought in Colleton because they were disappointed that Q was not in their minds developing the young players the way they wanted them developed. Um, now, it, you can look back on that and go, well, maybe that wasn't Q and maybe that was just those young players, you know, because um, with the exception of Tara Vinen, who's gone elsewhere and developed, a lot of those guys have gone elsewhere and not developed. Ryan Hartman, Nick Schmaltz has not exactly set the world on fire, you know, and I think that's uh, Forsling, Brandon, right, Keery, right, 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 right. The list goes and, on and on. Right. And so I think, I think that that was what would cause it. I also have to wonder again, and again, I'm not making excuses for Stan Bowman. I'm the last person who's going to do that. However, I would love to be right in, in suggesting that maybe John McDonough had something to do with that as well. Yeah. Um, and um, it just seems like when he left, some things did change in terms of how the, the team was addressing some things like talking, at least talking about a rebuild, not if not doing one. Um, you know, McDonough, Bowman didn't write all those contracts with no movement clauses without Bowman's or without McDonough's imprimatur on them. And frankly, McDonough had, may have had a lot to do with those contracts, um, you know, because nothing in that front office happened in a vacuum or Stan Bowman going off and being a cowboy didn't happen that way. It's not how it worked. It's, so it's the, the John McDonough plan, when he took over the Cubs, John McDonough, right. first thing he did, spent a ton of money, overpaid right. guys. Right. Like, well, that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, Alfonso Sariano got that huge deal. Marion Hosa gets a huge deal. Like it's, you can draw yeah. the, the parallels to I'm it. I'm with you though, Ray. I mean, I, Colleton came into a lose, lose situation. Yeah. yeah. There, was, there was nothing good that was going to come of that. I mean, when you think about the core guys, when Joe Quenville showed up, they were kids, right? I mean, they were absolute kids. And you just said, I'll teach you about the NHL and we'll go win championships together. When and that guy, do. when that guy is missing from your life, just like that, has a huge impact. And the next guy who comes in, no chance. Yeah. And the, no and the next guy is, is younger yeah. than two of your three, two or three. Yeah, I think we're younger than Crawford, is, yeah, Seabrook, and Keith. Yeah. And it's Seabrook's world junior teammate. And Seabrook right. looks like, this guy was terrible. What, what are we doing? <laughs> I know. Jeff Glass was better than this guy. Right. <laughs> and, then he, and then he puts him in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting to see how this plays out i think i i agree with you guys you know if you look at it on paper they're stuck there's nothing they can do but it'll be interesting to see again how this thing plays out over the next couple of years um 
it may just be we're, we're having the same conversation until 2023. Everybody just buckle in because this is going to be it. No, I'm kidding. We'll have Sean talking about the Cubs um, every every podcast from now on. Well, <laughs> but it's or, good. Or we'll, have, or we'll have Andy talking about like the prospects he sees at the AHL level because um, that's going to give us some measure of yeah. hope. Yeah. Because hopefully, yeah, hopefully they get going this year. Might not all be the guys play. at the ECHL level are all former AHL guys right. who want to yeah. play hockey currently. So Andy, who, who at the AHL are you excited about this year and why? You know, I know I've, I've said this before and I, you know, I, I obviously need to be careful. I play my favorites, but Evan Barrett is, is a really intriguing prospect. And I, and I really, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, Nylander has gone down now. And so maybe that's someone who, you know, Oh, could all of a sudden step into a role. I want, I just really hope the Hawks are really careful with this kid. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if he forecasts this caliber of player, but if you look at a guy like Mike Camilleri, who came out of the NCAA ranks, who just kept getting better and better and better and spent a full year and a half in the AHL before he came up to develop his scoring touch and learn how to be a professional and to play at a faster pace. That's the kind of player Evan Barrett has been since his freshman year at Penn state, just better every year, better every year, heavily relied on, you know, every single special team situation put in those positions. I really think that he's a guy that if, if he's in Rockford for some period of time, um, he's ultimately going to be helpful. And it might be at a time when the Hawks are saying, well, actually, now we're starting to get going here. And he might be able to, to be in that fold. Now, I mean, I don't – will the AHL get going on February 5th? Uh, I don't know. Uh, who, who knows where this whole thing is going. Um, but I, what I really don't want to see is him just all of a sudden be penciled into some fourth-line role in Chicago and be lost out there and – you know, and everyone's going, what's he doing out here? And then the fans turn on some young kid. Yeah, right, right. You know, and so I just, he's hes a prospect that I really think from a developmental standpoint, the AHL is going to be really good for. Um, he, he's the one that that comes to mind. Um, you know, everyone is so jazzed or, well, not everyone. Stan is jazzed about Wyatt Kalanick, but he, he might need some time down there. Oh, yeah. Um, in the AHL, probably will. Yeah. Um, you know, and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm blanking on uh, Bodine is someone I don't want the Hawks to mail in on yet either. I, uh, and, and the reason being is I, I live in the Boston area now and you watch a guy like Mac, Matt Grizzlick. Um, and Bodine is that, that is his style of play. And Matt Grizzlick was not a regular in the NHL until he was 24, 25 years old. Right. And Bodine is still very, very young. He's not as good as a skater. Right. As Grizzlick is now right. obviously, but if he works on that skating, that's a really good role. I mean, you watch Grizzly the way he plays. He's just, I'm going to keep everything in front of me. Right. I'm not going to try to go into the corners and run someone over. I'm just going to contain, 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 kind of like a defensive end, you know, just right. like, don't let him go here. Right. Um, and so Bodine, I don't want them to mail in yet. I still think another year in the AHL of Bodine, they could have something. Chris ready to move on, um, you know, but so I, I think Barrett and Bodine, I'm so curious about. Um, what about uh, Regula? The guy who they got for um, um, the guy from Detroit, yeah, the OHL kid, yeah, and the Perlini trade. I mean, that was a, that yeah. is a steal. I mean, that that kid is going to be a very very good hockey player. Good, um, really really good sized kid. Uh, played his prep hockey at Cranbrook School, um, you know, before going to London, Ontario, and he he was terrific. I mean, anyone who comes from London in the OHL, I think that that's if you're going to be playing in the OHL and you're playing in London, um, you know, you're you're well coached. You're playing on a winner. Dale Hunter does a great job up there. 
Um, really, really big kid, 19, 20 years old, something like that right now, right-handed shot. Um, so I think that he could, he could go and, and be very, very physical, but thank you for bringing him up, uh, Shawnee, cause I'm really high on him. I like, I'm going to throw out another name. I, I don't think we should sleep on. He's not going to be a guy who's ever going to, you know, come to Chicago and, and he, like get people jumping out of their seats in, in terms of his style of play, but as a defenseman and as a defensive defenseman, um, I, I think uh, I would, I'm going to ask you, Andy, to keep an eye this year on uh, Anton Lindholm. Um, I first heard his name. He first got on my ra radar about four years ago. And the Hawks were part of a, a group of teams that were pursuing um, the center from, uh, from Colorado who went to Columbus, um, Duchesne, Matt Duchesne. Mm -hmm. um, and the, they, they were putting together a package. And, and a guy that Bowman was asking about then, four years ago, was Anton Lindholm. And I, and the, the, what I was told was the reason was, is they saw him as sort of a Nicholas Jalmerson light type guy, very competitive, really, really good in his own end, smart plays, um, could carry the puck was not, but was not a guy who was going to put up a lot of points like, like, like Jalmerson was. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm going to be interested to see, cause, cause when his name came up in this Colorado trade, I remembered it. It, it was like, out of, like out of the blue. And I think I told gate a couple of years ago that, that Lindholm was a guy that the Hawks had their eye on. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it doesn't mean that Stan Bowman's always right, but it isn't when they, when a team comes back to a guy over and over again, there's usually a reason that they did it and the scouts have graded him. Um, so I'll be interested to see, you know, how he fits in at Rockford or if he ends up getting some time as the number seven guy in Chicago as well, because he played some in the, in the NHL with Colorado too. Yeah. Well, if he's playing in Colorado's blue line, then I would expect at some point this year, we might, we might see him in Chicago, but yeah, a little bit of an older player, you know, not, not a huge guy, but you know, right. to, to your point, that still carries that, that physicality to him. Um, and I mean, in anyone, I know we threw out the term sandpaper earlier. I mean, certainly you need someone in, in front of your net, you know, who's, who's unafraid to, to play the body. And I think that that's where, you know, the Hawks and I, I, I do worry that some of their prospects are these very smooth skating guys and they're not, we don't have enough, you know, uh, build to them, if you will. Um, but no, he's certainly intriguing. I'm, uh, that, that'd be very interesting to see where he fits in this year. Yeah. He's sort of like, again, he's been described to me and, and I'm not going to claim that. I think I've seen him twice playing for Colorado, but he's been described to me as kind of a, a smaller, uh, little less rugged version of Nicholas Jalmerson. And, uh, you know, if, if he has that kind of instinct to his game, that could be a nice addition to the Hawks. Yeah. Um, albeit, you know, as a depth defenseman, um, cause there is a reason that they kept coming back to him. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe they will be, maybe that'll be borne out. So we'll see. Yeah. And Barrett, I, I liked him through the, the uh, USHL development uh, caught him last year, actually live against Wisconsin. He's, oh, nice. he's kind of the guy that I, like if Soderberg's there and you've got somebody else, like he may be that guy, like I was talking about earlier, like don't rush him. You know, if he needs some time, he needs, right. he's a good playmaker. And then he's exactly what Chicago would need in that bottom six that, you know, you played against him at the end of the night. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but at the end of the night, He's been on top of you, you know, you felt his stick, you felt him in the corner, he forechecked, he backchecked. At the end of the at the end of the game, you know you played against him. And that's Holland Hawks two years ago and yeah. even last year, you know, where you know, there were teams that got on the bus that one year and didn't even shower. You know, hey, that was you know, that was a good workout. Let's go back right. to you know LA, wherever it right. So that's 
um, that's where I think Barrett brings a little bit of that, but you don't want to rush a kid like that yeah. either, even right. if he is just playing bottom six minutes, because you could crush a kid doing that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard uh, I've heard Dave Boland um, use this a comparable for him, and and uh, you know that that type of player you're talking about who just is a you know what to play against. Not real big, but just you know he's just all over you. I don't, I'll never forget in 2015 in the um, Western Conference Finals when Ryan Kessler just lost it on Marcus Kruger. And the reason he did is because Kruger had been up in his shit the whole series, you know, and um, you know, a lot of people like to, to put down Kruger, but I'll tell you what, if Barrett could even be that kind of player, that's a valuable NHL player, you know, um, as a centerman and somebody who can, who can defend and, you know, make some plays here and there. And um uh, you know, just be a real pain to play against up and down the ice and does great things without the puck, et cetera. You know, yeah, that would, that, those are guys that they're going to need. They're going to need the Kirby docs and the Adam Bokvis, but they're going to need those kind of guys too, up and down the lineup. Barrett can really, he can chip in offensively too. I mean, he can, he can shoot. Good. It has a really, really good shot. And I, you know, I, I, I don't think he'll be like a 30 goal scorer in the NHL or it's certainly not right out of the gate, but you know, if they take care of him, if they develop him, you know, there are third line guys that can get 15, right. 20 goals a year. Right. They're people. Dave Boland. Yep. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're coming up on an hour and a half, and I, I promised the world that we would keep this to an hour. Um, so, uh, oh. but this has been great conversation. You guys have anything else you want to add on, on any of these topics or the Cubs, Sean? <laughs> I just come. I, I just compare it because John McDonough ran both teams. That's all it is. No, it's good, man. It's good. I'm just teasing you. You know that. I kid because I love. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you'll be hearing. Ray, from you got anything? <laughs> no, not at all. No, definitely good talk with you guys. Excited that hockey's coming up. It's a yeah. Crazy, oh yeah. Crazy year. Last year was nuts. Just to be able to turn on and and see the Hawks play, it's definitely gonna be a lot of fun. Tree, 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 and a turd is coming. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. For sure. For yep. sure. And just getting back into covering hockey. Like I'm excited to re- I like, I, I like reading Ray's steel pieces and like whenever I come across a guy who's, who's played with the steel, I make sure to mention it. Uh, there's some guys in Indy that play and I'm excited to see Andy's pieces on the Rockford ice hogs. And just like, now that we know kind of where the direction we're going, like, yeah, it'll be cool to watch the Hawks and stuff, but I, I want to know about the other guys. Like I want to know about the guys who are going to be there in the future. Hopefully that's it's, kind of an exciting time for that. Like you, you almost want to pay attention to more of the minor league side, the minor professional side than the NHL side. Cause the NHL side might be painful. I mean, but. Andy, you're coming really onto the rake um, at a really opportune time when a lot of the fan base is going to start paying a lot more attention to Rockford. And um, this is a good time to add this. And we, you know, we've had a pandemic this year and we had a weird, um, NHL playoffs where the Hawks won a play in and actually played in a playoff series for the first time in three or four years. And um, with lots happened. And one of the things is that Andy joined us um, and he's, you know, already, you know, really made a mark in terms of our, our readership and, and uh, you know, the people who view our podcast and we're, we're really grateful for that. But I also want to add, because um, we haven't had a chance to, to say this, at least on the podcast, um, a, a fond farewell and good luck to our former colleague and one of the founders, really, of the rink, Mario Tirabasi, who's joining Bleacher Nation, um, doing their Blackhawk coverage. Um, you know, Mario had some changes in his life and it, it made it necessary for him to kind of break away from us in terms of regular contribution, but he's, you know, he's still very much a part of our community and he's in our chat. And uh, 
as, as we always say, when somebody leaves, if we like them, there'll be regrets forever. We like everybody so far. So, um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's times change and, but, you know, it's Andy brings an element of, of, you know, deep hockey knowledge as a former player. And, um, I don't know if you coach yet, Andy, but I have a feeling coaching's in your future as well with your kids. And, uh, you know, I've had that opportunity. It's been really cool. And I've learned a lot about the game through coaching too. And, and, uh, certainly a lot about kids playing the game and, uh, but um, yeah, so Andy will be our guy in Rockford. And I just want to also take this opportunity to thank Mario for everything he did for us. You know, a lot of what the rink is today, um, you know, Mario was a big part of it. And, uh, you know, we, we wish him all the best. And at Bleacher Nation, we wish those guys the best with Mario. So um, Andy, you got anything? All good. All good. Thanks. It's really, really been fun to be a part of this group. And, um, you know, the, the, the text chats are amazing. Um, yeah, they are. Over Twitter, they're just out. They make my day every day, yeah, and um, but yeah, just like just like everyone's saying, really excited to watch hockey again. Um, yeah, and hope the AHL starts at some point. We'll see. <laughs> There's no real plan. Someone's talking about it somewhere, but uh, it'll be in my Google search every morning. We'll see. Awesome, Sean. You got anything, buddy? Um, Tom Osborne or Auburn? I'm sorry, Auburn. I think is what his name got his first uh, ECHL win tonight, so his first pro win. He was uh, signed with Rockford on an AHL contract and was uh, sent down to Indy um, last week, I believe. And he got the win uh, today. So awesome. that's a big thing. Nice. Yeah. Stuff. So hopefully uh, I know the plan maybe is Cal Morris and uh, my guy, Matt Tompkins in Rockford. Well, uh, the hall of famer uh, Lankanen is with the Blackhawks. Um, so yeah, just uh, that. And uh, just excited for hockey to be back and, um, getting in with the, the ECHL and I'm excited to look for prospects like um, with Andy's stuff and Ray's stuff and stuff like that. So just excited. Well, awesome. Thank you, Sean. And thank you guys for joining us tonight. And thank you, everybody who's tuned in. Um, or if you're uh, catching this uh, recorded on some of the other platforms, um, we're on iTunes. Um, and I believe this will be on our Facebook page for some time. Um, and uh, you know, uh, it's always a pleasure to do this uh, with these guys and, and with other members of our team. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, one last plug for our founding sponsor, PuckHockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Um, go check them out. Use our uh, discount code, the rink, D-T-H-E-R-I-N-K, get 10% off. Buy some of that rink gear. It looks good on you. I guarantee it. Um, and so until next time, we will see you on the rink.